Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you. We have got a great show in store. And hey, if you didn't see the announcement on Instagram, Carlos and I want to feature a small business in every town we're visiting on the Here For You tour in June. Because, you know, one of my favorite things about traveling is getting to experience what makes your town so special. The fun, the food, the shops. So, Check out the link in our show notes to fill out the form telling us why your small business should be featured. Submissions are due tomorrow, April 25th. You have till the end of tomorrow. We cannot wait to learn more about you, your town, what you do. And as I said on my Insta story, if you make puzzles or gluten-free snacks, you've got a leg up on everybody else. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible partners. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As your friend, I want to make sure you have access to ways to process the good, bad, and ugly in your life. And one of the ways I like to do that is through counseling. The work my counselor and I have done together has truly changed my life for the better. And I want that kind of emotional and mental health for you too. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. And we don't have to navigate that alone. Literally, I have counseling today. And the number one thing on my list is why do I keep doing this? (laughs) Because she helps me see what I can't see. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist as well who can help you on your journey of self-discovery, no matter where you're starting from. So if you're thinking of trying therapy for the very first time, give BetterHelp a shot. Y'all go for it. Today is your day. Today's my day at counseling. Today can be your day as well. It's entirely online, so it's easy to fit into your schedule, and you just need to fill out a brief questionnaire. We love a quiz. And get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, so you're sure to be working with someone who is a good match for you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, so give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash that sounds fun. Today on the show, I get to talk with Dr. Jeremiah J. Johnston. Y'all buckle up. Oh my gosh, buckle up. Jeremiah is a New Testament scholar and does ministry internationally as president of the Christian Thinker Society. He loves the local church and serves as the pastor of apologetics and cultural engagement at Prestonwood Baptist Church, a church that I love, as well as the Dean of Spiritual Development at Prestonwood Christian Academy. He also released a book in March called Body of Proof, The Seven Best Reasons to Believe in the Resurrection of Jesus and Why It Matters Today. And this is the perfect thing for us to talk about as we are reading through the Gospels right after Easter. When I tell you this is one that you are going to be the mind blown emoji, just get ready. Just get ready. We were all hollering at the end of this episode. It's so good. You guys are going to love getting to know him and hearing his thoughts on the resurrection. So here's my conversation with Dr. Jeremiah J. Johnston. Jeremiah, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Annie, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for modeling being a Christian thinker and having fun. You're kind. We are having a great time. These conversations, we just had one at the end of February with Tim Mackey. People lose their minds about conversations about the Gospels. Right. And you you literally, you are Dr. Johnston, though we will call you Jeremiah. (laughs) Thank you. You literally have studied in a PhD way. The crucifixion. Right. Terminally, it almost killed me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how? tell me, 
tell me why when you were getting your PhD or when you were right. starting all these studies, what led you to, I want to focus on the crucifixion for me, Audrey and I, my wife and I were in ministry, but yeah. I had, I felt like I had so many pitfalls. I, I did, I wouldn't have self-identified as a Christian thinker. And when I open up the gospels and I see that the greatest commandment is Jesus who messianizes the Shema, mm -hmm. he changes the Shema, he eschatologizes it to himself. Mm -hmm. He said, if you're going to love God, the Shema says, love God with your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus modifies that and says, love me with your mind. Mm -hmm. And Annie, I've got to be honest with wow. you. I'm growing up in the church, love Jesus, but I wouldn't have called myself someone that loved God with all my mind. Yes. And I had to know, is this legit? Did Is there evidence? Do, can we have faith and evidence beyond? I heard that in Sunday school. So called my redhead wife, Audrey, one day. We had a 12-week-old baby. It was during the swine flu epidemic. Yeah. And I said, honey, are you okay if we move to Oxford, England wow. and uh, just start studying this and see see yeah. for ourselves the evidence? And she said, absolutely, let's go. Wow. Now, we, we <laughs> and it went on from there. And, you know, that's what, for, so for me, it was all about discipleship. For me, it was all about evidence. Do we have enough evidence to say that Jesus physically, bodily rose from the grave? Mm -hmm. What about these mythos? who say that Jesus never existed or that we can't trust the Gospels. Uh, and so, wow, I've had, you talk about fun. Yeah. I've had so much fun studying it. The evidence is so robust. I am now iron-fisted for these yeah. things underneath. We have a whole list of resources for people to read along as they are learning about Jesus and reading the Gospels this year. And Body of Proof is, I mean, people have got to read this. I had goosebumps the Thank whole you. time I was That's reading it. kind of you. It is Unbelievable, but you in the book, it's you have put your hands on more historic text, right. like literally touched yeah. more pieces of historical Bible text than like ninety percent of Bible yeah, scholars. I can say that without it, without blinking, without <laughs> flinching. I mean, it's <laughs> when you're in Oxford. So I worked in the Sackler Library, the yeah. Griffith Papyrology Room in Oxford, and what's so great is there's like a half million more fragments that they haven't published. So if anyone's listening oh, wow. to this right now and you want job security, be a classicist because yeah. it will outlast your life. Lifetime. Wow. I'm sitting there. I have an electron microscope, and I they have these on plates, and I'm looking at like a between, third... between two pieces of glass, like yeah. you'd watch look in science class at exactly. an amoeba or and something. And it's not like a movie. It's not as like we have to like put rubber, you know, nice yeah. gloves on, and like it's really not like control that. the They're, air. Yeah, it's <laughs> honestly well, at least in Oxford in the yeah. Griffith Papyrology Room, it looks like shoeboxes full wow. of papyrus fragments. A papyrus Gosh. for our audience, that's like paper, yeah. notepad. 2,000 years old that were just preserved for us in the dry sands of Egypt. And I'm sitting there, Annie, in Oxford. I mean, the setting couldn't be more intellectually robust. Right. I'm looking at a third century Gospel of John fragments. I, that is I unbelievable. Mean, my, my brain almost broke. I, yeah. I just like, and then the Holy Spirit said, Jeremiah, I'm giving you these experiences to be a reservoir, not a channel. Mm, we wow. need to replicate being a Christian thinker. And so my wow. life since that very moment, I remember it like it was yesterday, has been all about replicating Christian thinkers. And the cool thing about the Gospels and what I love about That Sounds Fun, you invite us into a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how Jesus taught. Yeah. In the Gospels, since we're focusing yeah. on it, Jesus asked 322 questions. I love he that you're asks, doing this to us. He asked 322, 322 questions. 322 questions. In fact, a great Bible study y'all should do sometime yeah. with your gospel study is literally just do a Bible study on the 322 questions that Jesus asks. Oh my so gosh. for the skeptic, why don't you write that book? Even the, <laughs> even the seeker who's listening right now who thinks that you can't bring questions to our faith, that's yeah. not the faith we see reflected in the gospels. That's in right. fact, I'm fascinated. Jesus asks more questions than he answers. Wow. 
in the Gospels. Just let that sink in for a minute. He asks more questions than he answers. And so for Jesus, he wanted us to love him with all our minds, which meant he was a big boy. He is a big boy. We can take our toughest questions to him. Yes. 322 questions. Will you say the other thing? We sat down and you said, well, you know, and started giving me Jesus facts. And I was like, hold I on, know you know this. Listen, this emphasis <laughs> well, on I the gospel. I definitely gospels. don't know, but I, I was so, like, we got to hit record. Friends, I don't want to miss a piece of you this. You know, I'm a normal person. I have five kids, triplets who are triplets. six. I haven't Ugh. slept in six years. My name's gold plated <laughs> at Costco for all the diapers. I have. So I'm just normal. But one thing I've totally given my life to is to study the gospels. Yeah. PhDs know a lot about a little, Annie. Yeah. The little I know a lot about are the gospels. And what's fascinating to me as a historian, if we were right now in your studio to put all four Gospels up on, up on the wall here, and we wanted to trace the life of Jesus, I asked myself, how many days could we come up with? Yeah. Not 24-hour periods, but like... Yeah. How many Monday, Tuesday, you know, days, and it's only 26 days. We can't do more than that. The Gospels, when you think about the impact, and you just went through the Gospel of John, to ask, you know, John says, these things are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. But then John adds, if we were to write everything Jesus did, the libraries couldn't contain it. The Gospels only give us about less than a month, three and a half weeks of the life of Jesus. That is unbelievable. Across 33 years, yes. we get three and a half weeks and worth of days. that message transformed the world. That is, so, geez, you know, we that is unbelievable. So we need to let that set in. And so when we look at his life, when we study the questions he asks, but then we actually look at the content of the Gospel, the Gospel focuses on, and by the Gospels, I mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the canonical Gospels. They focus on this central event, death, burial, and resurrection. So that is what I focus my studies on, because if you're a Christian listening to this today, the center point of a Christian worldview is the resurrection the of resurrection. Jesus Christ. It's, yes. It is one of those things, you know, we can, we can agree to disagree about a lot of things around the table. That's something that, that is a hill we die on. In mm. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul uses the word, it kind of sounds like prototype in English, it's yeah. protois in Greek. Paul says, this is a matter of first importance. And so when you think that Paul writes 32,000 words of the New Testament, and then you think about the fact that, you know, Paul says, hey, I've written a lot here, but this is the most important. Uh uh And we need to take note of that. And he said, what is it? I'm going to give to you what was given to me, that Jesus died for our sins. So we can talk about that, that he was buried and that he rose again. That is first importance for the Christian. And yet... You know, unfortunately, we're living in a time where most Christians can't really share what are the evidential facts behind the gospel. We put our faith in facts, not feelings. Yes. Our faith is what we believe, not what we feel. And so as a historian, I'm there in Oxford. What evidence is there? I ended up writing a 93,000-word Uberlieferungsgeschichte, which is, you use those words in Oxford because you have I've never heard any of those words. You have to bring in a little German and Latin in Oxford <laughs> just to join the club. Um, but it literally means a history of interpretation. And so I trace the whole history of resurrection belief and the Judeo-Christian motif from the earliest writings of Hebrew Bible through second century Christianity yeah. and the extra-canonical gospels yes. to say, can what what can we believe? And I would so, love for you to talk about. I need, first of all, what I would pay to see all of our listeners' insides temperature going up because <laughs> we are all getting so lit up by this conversation. I am like barely staying in my seat. Um, let's go. 
And body of proof, one of the things I love that I would love for you to talk about is you talked about the book of Peter yeah, and all these other books. And will you help us understand, A, are we supposed to be reading those? Mm -hmm. And B, how do they help us if they didn't end up in the Bible? Yeah. So let me take you back in time. I was at an academic conference called Society of Biblical Literature in Chicago. 5,000 Bible scholars come together of every stripe. Every It's a very unique thing. If you ever want to have fun, go to an oh, SBL listen, conference. I would be okay. the, the mouse under the table <laughs> eating the scraps. And I would love it. I was blown away. I was invited by William Lane Craig to give a presentation and it called Extra Canonical Confirmations of New Testament History. So let me do that for Tell me something about New Testament history. Just don't give me the Bible. So that, that's okay. essentially the layman's version. Yeah. I'm the only non-Craig to present, yeah, Amy, I love which that made me that. stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> there are these heavyweights, Craig Keener, who his one footnote on miracles became a multi-volume. You know, wow. the guy is a classicist yeah. par excellence. There's Craig Blomberg, gospel scholar. Craig Evans, finest Jesus scholar, 700 publications. Craig Hazen, William Lane Craig, who Richard Dawkins won't even debate. Wow. And then there's this guy, Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, could I, I, I just was trying to hide under the table. Yeah, but, no way. Um, I was a professor and a candidate at the time, and I decided to say if the gospel writers made up the story based on second century writings, uh -huh. based on writings that we can compare with, you know, that didn't make it into what we call the canon or the, the scriptures as we have them today, if they made it up, they did a really bad job. Mm. And I presented this. And the cool thing about an academic conference is the panelists can respond and say, oh, I don't, I don't agree with that. Or the audience can respond. And in fact, uh, I, you can actually distribute the paper in advance if you want to. So you have a robust, peer-reviewed academic right. conversation. Craig Keener walks up to me afterwards, and he said, you need to pursue this. This is a fun new way to argue for the resurrection of Jesus. Because, hey, if you look at the embarrassing details that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John keep in there, yeah. but then you compare that with like the Gospel of Peter, second century, Gospel of Thomas, or any is, of is what that, we call... Are those books that are written by Peter and Thomas that just no. didn't make it in the Bible? No. no. They're, yeah. They, they're like Christ, early Christian cartoons. They're, they're oh extrapolations. They, they, are, they are apologetic works for an unsophisticated audience. So yeah, the Gospel of Peter was not written by Peter. The Gospel of Thomas, not written by Thomas. There's about 60 to 65 Gospels like writings. There's a gospel of Barnabas. There's a gospel oh of Mary. There's, and when you study those, and should people read them? Yeah. Where do you read them? You can, oh, you can pull them up. And, you know, they're, they're 2,000 years old, so you can yeah. pull up the gospel of Peter and read. just make sure you're reading a good translation of it. Yeah. And so when you read them and you actually compare them with the gospels, you can see why they're not thought of as gospel-like uh, writings, because uh -huh. they're just so far-fetched. Yeah. And they seem to be filling gaps that the gospels were criticized by. And so when I'm up there presenting, Annie, the canonical gospels leave themselves open to attack. They leave themselves open to disagreement, because why on earth Celsus and Porphyry, these early objectors uh -huh. from the second and third century, you mean you have women as your first witnesses? What kind of lowbrow religion is this that you would yeah. have women be yeah. your first witnesses? Why didn't he appear to the Jewish high priest or the Roman governor Pontius yes. Pilate? Second century gospels come around, and guess what? They change the details. They have Jesus appearing to Pilate. They have Jesus appearing to the high priest. Jesus comes out. We have something called polymorphic Christology. He comes out like he's a giant because a bigger Jesus oh, is better. Wow. And then the cross follows him and talks. Weird. And the cross well, the, talks? Yes, so they call it Everybody, the cross gospel. Am, Sorry, I don't want to go down the rabbit oh, hole too much. I love all this. No, Pick no, no. the blue pill or the red pill, That's Andy. Right. Okay, Let's go. Okay, so with all those writings, 
So how do you use those to prove the gospel if those are sideways? Yeah, and this isn't original to me. There are great other thinkers out there like Richard Bauckham, Peter J. Williams from Cambridge. I've just taken some of the ways they argue to just the resurrection narratives. No gospel narrative actually describes the resurrection event itself. What we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have empty tomb tradition. So we have this discovery that the tomb's empty. Then we have what's called appearance tradition. And this is where scholars say we cannot argue with the fact that a whole lot of people had an experience of seeing Jesus alive over 40 days. We can't argue with that. Like you can't make up alternative facts when it comes to the experience of hundreds of individuals. And then you have these hostile witnesses to Christianity. I mean, you have James, the Lord's brother. You have Peter, who was a complete misogynist. I mean, he grew up in Judaism, which said better to burn the Torah than teach it to a woman. And then he gives us something like Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I mean, we, we just, because of our historical distance, Annie, we just don't get how... I'm sorry how seditious the gospel writings were. Yeah. I mean, they were hitting Rome in the face. Wow. So then when you read the second century gospels or third century extra canonical gospels, and I have to just be careful, like, why isn't he calling them apocryphal gospels? Because as a historian, that's seen as me having bias and being pejorative. Okay. So I don't call them apocryphal gospels as some people do. And the apocrypha is, but that is what Catholics have in addition, yes. right? So do they, well, they don't have the book of Peter though, no, right? No, so the, you are a great Christian thinker, Annie. <laughs> I love this. I'm having I'm, fun on this conversation. Okay, great, so there's too. actually, there's an old Testament Apocrypha, which this will spin people's heads around, was included in the original King James Bible. So if you ever meet these KJV people, just say, oh, do you enjoy the Apocrypha? Because that was also included. That's depending on how you count them, 13 to 14 intertestamental books. Then fast forward, you have the New Testament Apocrypha, which lasts for a couple hundred years. It's all these gospel-like writings. So, you know, Jerome actually translated from Israel. And a lot of people don't know this. If you go to the Church of the Nativity in Israel, you go down to the grotto. Jerome translates the Bible of a thousand years, the Latin Vulgate. He includes the Apocrypha, the Old Testament Apocrypha, books that Jesus would have found inspirational, like Second Maccabees, that speak about resurrection. So... Please, I encourage oh my, my students, gosh. read the Apocrypha. You know, absolutely read it, because then you're going to understand some of the battles that Jesus and his early followers were facing yeah. in that first century world. And then, yeah, definitely read those extra canonical Gospels, because they get weird. Yeah. <laughs> they get odd. Jesus isn't a fun playmate. You know, but he, we don't take them as truth? No, we do not. There's okay. nothing historical about it, other than the fact that this is how the Gospels should have been written if we were making up a narrative and not reporting on a factual one. Wow. So what we can see in that is when people take some facts that were true that they yep. know from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they write they fiction stories them. around yeah, them. They literally embellish them. That's the and term. And somehow, 2,000 years later, the actual gospel has survived. Exactly. And it's Dude. in full force. And we, we have, we're right now at nearly 6,000 fragments. And I want to encourage your audience who are doing the gospels like yeah. I am with you. When you look at the manuscript evidence for the Gospels, this is where it puts it makes it gives me all the goosebumps. Yeah, I have to, as a historian, and I've mentioned this, I think, in Body of Proof, I have to appeal to Roman emperors for the same level of manuscript attestation that we have for Jesus of Nazareth. Do you realize how amazing that is wow. to think about? If we can't believe that Jesus is a person from history. 
we shouldn't believe anything from late antiquity. Yeah. And so I want, there's a lot of people that you're reading the Gospels for the very first time. They are indeed historical documents. And if you don't take them as that, now, whether you believe in Jesus as your own personal Savior, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But what we can say is the history, the data is so good. Yeah. I have to appeal to Roman emperors for the same level of source and yes. data that yes. I have for Jesus. I mean, oh my and gosh. I feel like today so cool. that can be lost on people. So when you're reading it, wow, there's not a closer uh, second. Yeah. Oh, man. Are you having the best time, Greg? I know I'm having the best time. No, we're just scratching the surface. Let's oh, keep going. Like we this are, coffee's yeah, so we are good. just starting. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners that I love so much, the Hallow app. You know we'd love to talk about prayer around here, but the best way to learn more about prayer is to actually put it into practice, like we talked about last week with Addison Bevere. Hallow is the number one prayer app in the world with over 10 million installs, 150 million prayers completed, made by our Catholic friends for all of us. It's an incredible way to help you connect with God when you feel like you don't know where to start. It has thousands of prayers meditations, and peaceful Christian music for all parts of your day. So if you want to be more intentional about having a plan when you sit down to spend time with God, Hallow is a great resource. When I use Hallow, one of the things I love to do is just scroll through and pick out prayers or devotionals that fit the topic or the conversation or my theology that I really want to learn more about. Not only will it help you dive deeper in prayer, but it'll help you build that daily prayer habit. You know you know I love Eastertide. It lasts all the way to Pentecost, and Hello has a really cool Easter Bible study happening right now where you dive into the book of Acts with our friend Jonathan Rumi from The Chosen, and you know him because he was here on the pod, and world-renowned biblical scholar Dr. Scott Hahn. They're helping us figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus as we learn from the apostles in the book of Acts. Alongside the new Bible study, pray and meditate using more than 10,000 guided prayers, including prayers alongside Mark Wahlberg. I love listening to him pray. And NBA champion Drew Holiday. Y'all know we love his wife. She's been on the pod. Lots of the cast of The Chosen, Jim Caviezel from The Passion of the Christ, and our buddy Father Mike, and so many more. You can get an extended three-month trial of all 10,000-plus prayers and meditations at hallow.com slash thatsoundsfun. Again, that's hallow.com slash thatsoundsfun. And I have one more amazing partner to tell you about, Indeed. Okay, y'all know by now that whenever we're hiring here at Downs Books or at the That Sounds Fun Network, we hire with Indeed. It has never steered us wrong. When you're ready to hire, you're probably already overloaded with too much work on your plate. That's why you need to hire, right? But Indeed helps make sure the hiring process doesn't become a second full-time job. They're the experts at helping us find the best fit for the roles we want to build our teams with. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. They can help attract, interview, and hire all in one place so you don't have to spend your valuable hours digging through multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills. Instead, you can do it all and fast with Indeed. You can reclaim your time and find top talent fast with Indeed. Their suite of powerful hiring tools like assessments and virtual interviews allow you to find top talent fast. And get this, listen to this, listen here. 81% of U.S. online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comscore. 81%. That means the person you want to hire is probably there. 
I don't know about you, but that's exactly where I want to be looking for my next coworker. Indeed knows hiring needs to be cost effective and efficient when you're running your own business. So visit indeed.com slash sounds fun to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And now back to our conversation with Dr. Jeremiah. When I read Body of Proof, I actually had never heard the skeptics, like the case against Jesus's resurrection, things like he wasn't really dead. Right. That they, that, like they say about Abraham Lincoln, that there yeah. are scratches on the top of his coffin because he wasn't actually dead. It, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, I heard it forever ago. Wow. They're, 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 I don't know if it's true. Okay. So that is extra <laughs> apocryphal. No, I'm just kidding. So will you talk a little bit about what are some of the big high level? I mean, I, I know there are people who don't believe in Jesus that we go, ah, yeah. that's just not a true story. But there are some real like skeptical thoughts like Jesus. Jesus was a factual person, mm-hmm. but here's why the resurrection isn't right. true. Let me give them to you as if I were role-playing and I'm a skeptic. They would say that uh, Jesus' body was buried in a mass criminal burial pit. Oh, wow. Other thinkers would say Jesus' body was left hanging on the cross and likely, are you ready for this, eaten by dogs. Oh, God. These are Is that two what academ- happened <laughs> no. to people on the cross? That's Is that the part thing. of the history? No. Oh, weird. This is where I bring up, and about I give around actually nine. It yeah. says seven. But I add two kind of plus at yes, the end. You did. But one of my evidences in here, Annie, is when you look at Jewish burial traditions, the evidence of how Jews buried their dead, that never happened. It never happened that yeah. a body was left hanging on a cross eaten by dogs. Yeah. So we can't foist facts that don't have verisimilitude. That's yeah. a word your audience needs to know. Okay. Verisimilitude, it means verisimilitude. it's like it really was. Okay. It corresponds to reality. It's yeah. very similar to how we would expect it to be in the yeah. first century. And so I kind of go on this short, and again, you don't need any prerequisites to read my book. I, I wrote Body Approved to where anyone could pick it up, and within three hours of reading, you're going to be totally up to date on the resurrection yes, of Jesus it Christ. it is such a it, it hand it to all your friends. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I'm able to jump in on the deep end with someone like you. Yeah. I mean, you're a teaching pastor. Oh you're a Christian thinker. Yeah. You you get this. But I don't. I also don't want to intimidate anyone from like, oh, do I need a prereq? No, you can no, pick no, no. it up if you've never read the Gospels. Yeah. The archaeology is so recent in my book where we discuss the fact that nobody lost track of burying the dead in Judaism. right. Only during wartime. So we're talking 66 Ah. to 70 when literally Jerusalem is surrounded by Titus. That's the only time bodies were left hanging on a cross or unburied. In the Jewish mind, burial was a sacred honor. What do we see in the Gospels? Well, if the Sanhedrin condemns someone to die... It was on the Sanhedrin to be in charge of their burial. We know that from the Mishnah. What do we right. see when we open the Gospels? Two members of the Sanhedrin. What are their names? Nicodemus, yep. Joseph of Arimathea. Yep. They asked for the body of Jesus to give Jesus. And here's where my nomenclature is more precise in the book. He is given a proper burial, not an honorable burial. Wow. So Joseph of Arimathea offers his family tomb. Yep. No one's been buried no there been before. Buried in, right? So it's it's proper. It's mm-hmm. not an honorable, but it is proper. So the idea that his early fall, another you'll remember from the book is like, maybe they got the wrong tomb. Uh, yeah, that the women, like, maybe the uh, yeah, women went may, to the wrong the tomb. I was like, wrong. get out of here. There's yeah. some chauvinism and bias yeah. even in that from modern yeah. scholars, yeah. truly. 
because um, that comes out of Germany, higher criticism, which I don't even use that term. That just comes. It just yeah. It's a it's a pejorative thing to say, and yeah. maybe they got it wrong. No, that would never happen in Judaism. Do you know how many bodies there are right now buried on the Mount of Olives? Oh, so many. From my view, one hundred fifty thousand is the best estimate in Judaism. Wow. I wish people could see me right now. Yeah, in Judaism on the Mount of Olives. People are buried facing the Eastern Gate. Jews are buried that way, literally, so they don't even need to turn around in the resurrection. They just, just come right up and right they literally just yes. have to go straight. Yes, yes. So again, burial was a sacred honor for Jewish families. Even if your family member was a crucified criminal, mm-hmm. we actually have the heel bone of poor old Yehohanan, who had to be buried so quickly in AD 26 during the reign of Pontius Pilate, oh, by the wow. way. He's buried. We have his ossuary. That's how we know his name is Yehohanan. Yeah. And his heel bone is there, and it literally has the crucifixion spike in the heel bone. <gasps> Still in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and my gosh. And guess what? It has wood washers between <gasps> it. I have pictures I show when I speak on this. And so he had to be buried because you always buried that night. So if you had a son or daughter who, who might have died that day. Yeah. They were buried that night. If you died during the night, you would be buried the next night. And so there was not this modern. We we have to be so careful. That's why I love your show. We have to read the Bible with first century eyes. Mm. We don't want to read it with Western eyes. And so when we understand that, man, burial was sacred. Even Yehohanan had to be buried so quick. They just leave the crucifixion spike in the seal. We can't pull that out. Just throw it in there. Which makes me think about the time that Jesus resurrects the little girl. Yes. She must have died Jairus that day. Died. Yes. Same with uh, Luke 7, the widow of Nain's son. They're oh, in the burial procession. Yeah. He had died that day. That Jesus day. stops, touches the buyer, said, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. Can you so imagine? So that's why Lazarus is such a wild story. Yes. He could not have been more dead in the Jewish concept. Wow. And this isn't... <laughs> in the Jewish... Lazarus is a lot, Lazarus is a lot of fun because... He's dead after four days. Well, there's a Jewish tradition. And again, I want to be careful for the scholars and skeptics. I'm not saying every Jew believed this. Sure, but sure, sure. There is a tradition in Judaism in the time of Jesus that the spirit of the dead person hovered over the body for three days. But on the fourth day, the face kind of gnarled. Oh, and wow. then the spirit left the body. That was evident. So again, if we knew that in the fourth century, or excuse me, in the first century, Jesus shows up, John 11. And it's the only time I can read that Jesus shouts in the Gospels, except yeah. for the cry of dereliction. In Greek, he goes, Duroexo, you know, come out, Lazarus. And he comes out, even says the body stinks. Yeah. So again, all of this is wonderfully early eyewitness testimony. And again, where, where Body of Proof helps guide people by the hand is when you look at the history and the traditions of that time, yeah. we see that the Gospels... Get it right. Yes. Okay, so let me ask you one more question before we go to the resurrection. Absolutely. Uh, We just learned this when we read in March in Chronological Order. The only miracle besides Holy Week that's in all four is feeding the Mm 5,000. Why? Why do you think that everybody put that in there? You know, I think that, again, food scarcity was such a huge problem in the first century. Ah. 25% of the Roman Empire was sick, dying, or in need of immediate medical attention on any given day in the time of the Gospels. Most people only ate two meals a day. And so it's kind of, again, because of our historical distance, what's the big deal? You know, can't they miss a meal? No, these people were dying by malnutrition, starvation. Remember that show, A Thousand Ways to Die? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, literally, there was a—we have people that died of a toothache Mm. in the first century from the sky. 
skeletal remains. Right. And so when you look at life expectancy was 20 years of age in the time of Jesus in Jerusalem. And so when we hear Luke 7, 22, that this man, you know, go tell John the blind receive their sight. The deaf here, the dead are necrosagyro. They literally stand up. Yeah. Um, he gives them evidence. And I think the feeding of the 5,000, again, we don't have to get too spiritual to assess this. If you just do a demographic study, most people were already starving. Yeah. They were fascinated by Jesus, and there probably couldn't have been a bigger miracle except for someone raising from the dead than someone that can multiply food. Yeah. Are y'all watching The Chosen? Oh, absolutely. You think it's good? I was an early adopter of The oh, Chosen. Oh, yeah. You can ask not. our daughter, Lily. Yeah. Like, I ugly cry. <laughs> like, I'm like... <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> like, I takes my breath away. Yeah. And I wasn't looking forward to it at first because I just thought another, you know, corny Christian thing. Yeah. But man, I got sucked. I got the locked The feeding in. of the 5,000. Oh. I just had never, yeah. I don't know what I thought, yeah. but I never thought they would pick up the baskets yeah. and they'd be full. Yeah. I think I thought, I think I'd always pictured them tearing bread and just yeah. not running out. Yeah. But and the when baskets he said, were just full. The focus on truth, the focus on, you know, not focusing on your feelings. Yeah. There's some there's some great the greatest miracle Jesus said is truth. Yes. I love the focus on truth in the chosen. So yeah, as a gospel scholar, I'm sitting Dallas is a buddy of mine, yeah. full disclosure. But like I'm just loving I it. I hope so. so. I hope yeah. y'all know each yes. other. Because yeah, I think you should I actually as know get his closer. dad Jerry even better. Yeah, so, there you yeah. go. So as we get closer to the season where Jesus gets crucified yeah. and resurrected, I yes. hope that they will bring you in. Yes. <laughs> okay, so so one of the things we, when we narrow down your expertise, which I don't want to because we could do this. Oh. If you knew how like lucky you are that we have something else today, <laughs> so we're not doing a five-hour <laughs> podcast. Um, I don't mind. I love it. So when we think about what you're proving here is the seven reasons to believe that the resurrection Absolutely. of Jesus it's really happened. Of right. So I don't want you, I mean, you don't have to go through all seven, but talk about how it's just lasted. Yeah. How it's it's changed it changed things then it changed Paul like you yep. were talking about it changed Paul's life, and it's lasted. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you determine that was the first one you wanted to say? So Jesus isn't the only guy who shows up in the first century and said, "Hey, everybody, I'm waving a flag. I'm the Messiah." I love that chart there you put in here of other, all the different messiahs. Yeah. And by the way, that's a truncated playing. version of the would be messiahs. I mean, there's actually many more. There's at least ten, maybe a dozen, in the time of Jesus, first century world wow. that literally said, "Hey, I'm the Messiah." And they had much larger movements. In fact, Annie, in the in the Book of Acts, we hear about two different messiah-like movements: one that followed the Egyptian. 4,000, yeah. and and they came to not. They came to nothing. Right. My point is these would-be messiahs claimed to be someone special. When they died, their movement made no impact on culture. Mm-hmm. What do we see with the Jesus movement? Nobody expects him to die by Roman crucifixion. We'll get to that in a minute. No one expected a resurrecting figure oh, at I'm all. Sure. So for the Christian today that tries to read Isaiah 53 into the Gospels, You can't do that because when we study Qumran and when we study, again, the time of Jesus, people weren't interpreting Isaiah 53 expecting Mm -hmm. their Messiah to die. And that's Mm. hard for some Christians to hear. Interesting. That was not an interpretation that was why. Remember, I studied the interpretation of resurrection. That interpretation had not taken hold in the time of Jesus. That's modern day. Very much so. And I'm not huh. saying I disagree with it. I'm just saying as a historian. So yeah. when you look at the Dead Sea Scroll community, they were expecting a Messiah who would kill the Roman emperor, vanquish right. a corrupt priesthood, purify all Israel, get rid of these pagan occupiers. That was the kind of Messiah 
they were expecting. Which is why the disciples said, can I sit on your right and can yes. I sit on your left? And, what's, and what, what swords do we need? And it's, it's why Peter occasionally spoke for Satan. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, you can't go to the cross. Yeah. You know, he doesn't realize he's speaking for Satan. And Jesus says, right. get behind me, Satan. Don't, yeah. don't get in the way of my messianic movements. Mm-hmm. And so when we study the profound, first off, and that's where I love guiding people by the hand. They need to understand this was not expected. Yeah. No one was going to believe this. And the Gospels tell us in Luke 24 that the guys, uh, Cleopas, they're on their way to, they're, they're on the road to Emmaus. Yeah, who do you think it is? Cleopas and Peter? I don't know. Okay. We, I, I can't speculate. Man, if you say, I don't you know, know, I'm going to quit I'm, making I, guesses. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to speculate. I just don't know. Yeah. But Jesus shows them, Luke 24, 21 says, we had hoped he was the Messiah. They'd given up. That's a seven-mile walk. I guess we'll go to the next Messianic contender. So my point, it's kind of a long answer, but no no one expected it. it. When they did believe it, when they came together in that upper room, within 30 years, that movement transforms the world. Mm -hmm. Christianity's closest competitor in the first century is the cult of Mithra, which is a male-only cult, okay? Yeah. Like if you were uh, in Ephesus, there'd be first church of the cult of Mithra, only men are allowed. Okay. And then there'd be this Christian movement yeah. where women are there, men are there. Jesus empowers women unlike any other figure from history. Wow. Luke 8 does something so cool in the Gospels. Luke 8, 1 through 3 gives us the names of the women who supported Jesus' yeah. ministry. Yeah. You mean God didn't just FedEx money down to son <laughs> Jesus? For, no. Right, no. And guess what Luke does? Those are the same women in Luke 24 who see the resurrected Christ. They are the wow. first witnesses. Yeah. Luke in Luke chapter 1 and is in Kippet. Mm-hmm. He says, he uses the word we get autopsy from, Annie. He oh. said, He said, we are eyewitnesses, autoptes in Greek. It's the same word we get autopsy. We saw him so we can have a certainty to our faith. So that message then. We autopsied this story. Literally, literally, that's what it meant. And so, again, long answer, that belief that was not expected, these people were not giving into some kind of confirmation bias or cognitive dissonance. No one was going to claim that Jesus rose again. They weren't looking for that kind of Messiah. And by the way, this is another footnote. It's why I think Judas fell out of the boat. He still didn't get the Jesus program. That's why we have the words of institution, because the disciples just didn't get it until after the resurrection. Do this in remembrance of me. Judas is heartbreaking, isn't it? It is. I I blame the chosen a little bit more because he looks like like such a nice guy. Those eyes. But yeah, his eyes. (laughs) But also when you read that he had started stealing money. Yeah. I just was like, man, where did you miss it? Yeah. How did you start stealing money? Exactly. Where? And think no one would know. Right. And you know. Jesus. Yeah. Dude, your guy is Jesus. Yeah. He just made, he fed 5,000 people. You think he doesn't know you're taking money? So when, oh. here's the cool thing. Sorry. When I see the impact that Jesus made on children and women, that yeah. this proclamation that he had been risen from the dead, yeah. it brought equality to women. There's a letter in the first century, same time of Jesus, I'm going to quote it, uh-huh. Pioxi 744, it just means papyrus. It's a piece of paper found in the city of Oxyrhynchus. It's number 744. That's all that means. Love letter from a guy named Hilarion, believe uh-huh. it or not, to his wife, Alice. This is the time of Jesus. This will show you how this message of the resurrection changed the world. He's writing to his wife, beautiful love letter. And he said, I'm going to be at work when, when you, I won't be home yet when you have our baby. On Eintelea Ekbale in Greek. He says, if it's a boy, keep it. If it's a girl, throw it away. 
And then he goes on to carry on the love letter. What do we see in this person of Jesus? Let the children come to me. We see the first social justice missions taking shape. We see charity. We see love. We see hospitality. We see mercy. We see Mm -hmm. even those of Herod's household, according to Paul, are believing. We just don't understand how Christianity changed the world because of our historical distance. And it all comes back to where we began. That centerpiece of the worldview was... Guess what? Jesus is resurrected. That changed the world. It's changed my life, and that message is going to change the cosmos someday. Man, that's so good. I'm not going to cry. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Thrive Cosmetics. Guys, the ads on the internet get me so good with this one, but they did not do me wrong, unlike that jumper I just purchased last week that is not working out. Thrive Cosmetic products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free beauty products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients that are always going to fit you correctly. Yes and amen. My favorite mascara that I wear every day is their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. And with 25,000 five-star reviews, I would say a lot of you agree. Plus, they have many other incredible products like their Brilliant Eye Brightener. This highlighter stick is made to brighten and open your eyes, giving you an instant eye lift. Okay. You just apply it to the inner corner of your eye to look like you've had plenty of restful sleep, which y'all know we really need. You can even use it as an eyeshadow for a perfect daytime glow or use the metallic shades for an easy smoky eye. Ashley has it on her face right this minute, and I have the mascara on my face right this minute. Thrive's helping us stock our makeup bags with incredibly clean, skin-loving products that make us feel like a million bucks while also helping us help others. Cause is in the name for a reason. As part of their mission, every purchase supports organizations that help communities thrive with partners that help people emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, and recovering from cancer, just to name a few. You have got to try. You have got to try Thrive Cosmetics to see for yourself. Right now you can get an exclusive 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash TSF. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash TSF for 15% off your first order. And I have one last amazing partner to share with you, Shopify. Oh, y'all know that sound. That's right. It means that another one of you is out there shopping our online store at shopanniefdowns.com, and it is powered by Shopify. Whether you're browsing for our Chai Day Friday mug, which I love and use on every day, not just Fridays, or looking for the Let's Read the Gospels guidebook, our store is your one-stop shop for both fun and depth. Shopify makes it easy to bring those resources to you, and we don't have to be experts at coding or design to make it all happen, thank the Lord. So many of you are small business owners or want to start one, and Shopify has what you need to help get your products in the hands of the right people. From an in-person point of sale system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, Shopify covers every sales channel. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Now it is your turn to get serious about that passion project you want to get out into the world and try Shopify today. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sounds fun. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sounds fun to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sounds fun. And now back to finish up our conversation with Dr. Jeremiah. That sounds fun. 
Talk about how his death forgives us of our sins. Absolutely. So this is so important. Jesus' death by Roman crucifixion is the best established fact of the ancient world, bar none. We have more support evidentially that this guy named Jesus died on the Roman cross than we do any other fact from late antiquity. So let's just start there. The fact that Jesus died is a fact of history. In fact, we can date it. The date of the crucifixion, you have two options. Oh, I options. love this, yes. So it's either, our audience will know, it's usually either AD 30 or AD 33, but we can actually get the date. Because of Passover, right? Yeah, Passover, okay. month of Nis- There's three different things. Um, the removal of the Jewish high priest, the regnal year. We, there's, I, and I get into that in Body of yeah. Proof, but we know that Jesus was crucified either April 3rd, AD 33, or April 5th, AD 30. I mean, that's how we can pinpoint it Which with the think? evidence. I always go with AD 33 because my wife's birthday is April 5th. Okay, and I, want her to be, I want her birthday to be on the resurrection. It's there a real scholarly reason. That's a, that's a good, great reason. <laughs> you can go with either on the evidence, yeah. but that, the evidence is just that good. So Jesus in the gospel, remember, the gospel was not a word that Christianity invented. Right. This was a word that the Roman emperors would mm-hmm. say when they had a great message. Oh, wow. And so when Paul... Co- or and what's the me, word in Greek? Elon? It's euangelion. Euangelion, that's Good it. news. Yeah. And just good news. That's all it means. I've got good news. I've got the gospel. This is great news. Glad tidings. We yeah. hear about it in the canticles of the gospel. When Mark... Again, we, we don't understand what a bad dude Mark is for writing yeah. this. I mean, this guy, when he says... I'm going to give you the gospel of the Son of God, <laughs> Savior of the world. Yeah. Most people think, are you, you're, wait a minute, you're not talking about Augustus right now? Oh, okay. Those are fighting words because wow. Augustus, the Roman emperor, is heralded as the Son of God. Ah, okay. And I mean, that, there was a gospel of Augustus. Yes. And the fact that Mark comes along, earliest gospel, and said, no, I'm going to give you the real gospel the Son of God, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. Yeah. Those were fighting words, Annie. Wow. Those were words that were ready to step up to people. Yes. So again, we just think it's this pretty kind of gospel. Oh, you know, that's great. That's yes. a tickly term. No, this was a gospel that Christianity hijacks and says, no, we have the real gospel. Wow. Okay, so how it forgives us of our okay. sins. So atonement, hugely important. The gospel, unlike any other religion, is, it does for us what what God's grace can only do, it forgives yeah. us. Yeah. Jesus paid for our sin on the cross in full and rose again. Sin has to be paid for. If you have, if you talk to anyone on the street, they're going to admit they sin. They're going to admit yeah. they do wrong. Even the relativist who thinks that you have your truth and not my, I have my truth, they're still not going to admit to perfection, right? Yeah. And Jesus, the fact that the gospel allows us to be forgiven and to have peace with God. I love Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, so yes. not by my works, right. not by being a good Christian or raised in a Christian home, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have shalom. Mm-hmm. We have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is a peace with God, Annie, that happens once and it lasts forever. Yes. Always conditioned 200 times in the New Testament, it is faith in Christ. It's not the strength of our faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith. Our faith can feel like it's on all kinds of thin ice at times. But again, the object of our faith is the fact of Jesus' death and resurrection. When you study it, that is the facts of the gospel. It's so simple a child understands it. I've been asked, you know, because we can dive deep on atonement theology. Someone will ask, how much of this do you have to believe to be a Christian? 
precious little, yes, actually. Yes. <laughs> Jesus loves you. He died for you. He rose again. He wants you. Yeah. Say yes to that Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. Yes. Your sins are wiped away, forgiven as if you had never sinned. Yes. And then this beautiful word that I've given my life to study, shalom, Jesus makes us whole. He makes us to lack nothing, to be made whole, to have tranquility, even as we face the adversities in yeah, life. That's beautiful. Okay, so a question I think about a lot is Jesus says, I'm going to destroy the temple and raise it again in three days, right? So it's always three days. Jesus dying on Friday and resurrecting Sunday morning is not three days. Yeah, listen, and this is a great question I want to just calm people down about. Let's okay, all yes. just chill. <laughs> You're Let's like, relax. starting with Annie, we're all going to breathe. The Jewish day starts at 6 p.m., Okay. so Jesus spends 39 hours in the tomb, parts of three days. Uh, the Gospels make all kinds of approximations, and I can tell you're kind of a perfectionist like yeah, me when I read yeah. the Gospels. Was it three 24-hour periods? <laughs> no, and guess what? In the Jewish mindset, because I'm reading the Bible as if I was in first century Judaica, yeah. Jesus goes to the tomb probably around a little after 3 p.m., so that's Friday. Yes. The Jewish day then would start at 6 p.m., so yes. Shabbat starts Friday at 6 p.m. Which is until why they were Sat- rushing exactly. to bury him, exactly. because Thank they didn't you. want to work on that day. Yeah. You got this. You go. Yeah. I'm going to no, sit no, no, here no, and no, listen. No, 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 no. That's this what I mean awesome. to do. I just want to no, pull people's it. brains I'm, that that's why I love why it. That, no, yeah. this is how cool it is to have this kind of—you're getting it. And so the so then he spends all day Saturday, then probably about 6 a.m. Sunday. If you do it, that's 39 hours about, approximately— and again, the gospels speak in approximations all yeah, the time. Yeah. If the gospel is it four thousand or five thousand? Is it was it that was it one angel or two? Yeah, right. If they all agreed, like some skeptics want them to agree, that would not smack of authenticity to me. Some oh, that's skeptics, scholarly skeptics, get caught up. Well, was it one angel or two? I don't know. There were angels yeah, there. Yeah. All I know is there were angels. Yeah. One person saw one. One person saw two. Yeah. I, Take your pick. Yeah. It could be both. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. We can't get caught up in some of these. Is that a contradiction? No, it's a difference. Yeah. And you would expect that with any kind of eyewitness testimony. So the Gospels have differences in them, right? That doesn't mean they're contradictions. Yeah. And that's that smacks of authenticity yes. to me. And so that's where, again, there's not a conspiracy here to get the Gospels right in every single point. I yeah. mean, that's make sure people hear me. The truth that we hold on to is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that Paul gets right. Yeah. Paul goes and he does and what the Galatians called, it's actually yeah. the Greek word historio. He does history. He does research. He goes and gets his PhD from the three pillars of the church, James, John, and Peter. And he says in Galatians, I just want to make sure I have the gospel right. Wow. Remember he said they added nothing to me. Yes. Huh. So why, yeah, why did he, after he learned from them? Yes. He literally, he wanted to make sure he gets the gospel yeah, right. We yeah. can forget the power of the gospel. I always wondered, 1 Corinthians 15, why does Paul begin the most important, this is a mountain peak. I mean, this is Everest of the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Yes, I never thought that until I read eight, it. Yeah. And it's a passage that no, even the skeptical scholars except is authentically Pauline. Definitely Paul wrote it, that means. When Paul comes along and he says, now I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. Why do we need to be reminded of the gospel? Because it's so easy to forget. We forget it every day. We don't preach the gospel to ourselves every day like we should. That's why I love your focus on the gospels. For too many Christians, the gospel is just something that happened once. But the gospel in a resurrection-centric life should empower us every day. What I love about what Paul does... He goes, and again, there wasn't chapter change, diversification. There was not versification 
in the New Testament. You're getting me so fired up in this podcast. I'm ready to go run a marathon. (laughs) Paul goes, he gives the whole gospel. He gives the evidence. He talks about bodily resurrection. He gets to 1558. Therefore, be strong, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. The very next verse, again, there wasn't a chapter change. Okay, the resurrection empowers our ethics. We have people suffering. We need to take an offering for Wow. Them. So there is a key, and this is where in Body Proof, my wife has helped me so much. She is a busy mom of five kids, okay? Jeremiah, that's cool you know that, but how does that help me be a better mom today? How does that help me with teenagers? How does that help me with crazy boys in my home? And so... What I try to do in Body of Proof is always draw a practical pastoral application to all the evidence of why it actually matters today. And so resurrection-centric living, Paul shows us, it's the key to our ethics, Annie. Yes. It's the key to our generosity. Mm. Of course, it's the key to our joy. We know that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we grieve, but we don't grieve without hope. That's right. So the resurrection is the one doctrine that unlocks all the other Bible doctrines. Wow. Right. Because... Everyone dies. Right. Yeah. Not everyone resurrects. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that is that is a wild. Except thought. there were some people in the Gospels who died twice. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I guess everyone who. So let's talk about yeah, this for a this second. This is fun. When Jesus dies, it says that people resurrected. Yes. In Jerusalem and right. walked around and saw, so all those people died twice. Absolutely, and as did good old Lazarus, yeah. who has two different <laughs> burial spots. You know, oh my gosh, he has two different <laughs> yes. burial spots. Just let that sink in for a minute. You can go to Bethany, the, yeah. the first spot. He must have retired to the island of Cyprus because there is a second burial spot. He must have thought, you know, this death thing's not that big of a deal. Right, done it I'm, once. I'm, you know, not worried about it. I'm going to go play golf on the island of Cyprus. And yeah. that's his second burial spot. Yeah, that Jesus is Jesus is the first, though, and I think I coined this, you know, yeah. his body is undiable. It's deathlessness. Jesus resurrects with this new body that will never see decay. It will never need upgrading. And Jesus right now is physical. He's bodily Mm -hmm. in heaven. And so when we think about his new body, that's why Paul calls him the first fruits of resurrection. I use this fun word in the book. Jesus uh, uses adumbrations. He Uh adumbrates his resurrection by, you know, there's eight resurrections in the Bible. Jesus performs three of them. Peter does one. Paul does one. There's three in the Old Testament as well. Jesus foreshadowed his power over death by performing acts. And I call it resuscitations because those individuals would die a second time. Jesus is the first to never die again. Right, the resuscitations because yeah. he brings them back to life, but not in new body. Exactly, not not, not in resurrection body. Life. But oh he's just showing gosh. in Mark eight thirty one, Mark nine thirty one, Mark ten thirty three and thirty four. Jesus predicts his violent death and resurrection. They're just not getting it. Yeah, with him, they want him to be this conquering Messiah, yeah. and yet he says, "I'm going to show you a power over death." So, as you already mentioned, Jairus's daughter, widow of Nain's son, Lazarus. God knows what he's doing. And I just want our friends to know you do not have a Bible in front of you. This is all in your brain. Oh. <laughs> you have nothing in front of you. I, I have two copies of your book. I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> that is, it is just amazing. What is, for our Jewish friends who are yes. still waiting on a Messiah. Yes. Even when I was in Israel in October, there's posters mm-hmm. of a dead right. guy who's been dead from New York since the 80s or something that yeah. they think could still be the Messiah. Yeah. 
what are they missing? What has Jesus not done? What was what part of his story, what part of his death and resurrection hasn't connected with our Jewish friends? This is such an important question because I have a lot of Jewish friends who are archaeologists. Yeah. And just to take it a step the question a step further, if you go to the land of Israel today, there's about three hundred archaeological digs that happen twice a Do year. Do you love going? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you know what? A lot of Bible scholars have never been to the land of Israel. There's a little bias there too. They don't even go visit. Yeah. It's like I'm an expert in a place I've never been. That I can go to. Yeah, exactly. It's not bad. It's not Mars. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd be surprised how Uh, few Bible scholars have actually been to the land of Israel. It is. Yeah. That feels like a new filter I care about. And I call it the Bible lands, not Uh just the land of Israel. Yeah, you do call it that in the book. um, You need to go to Rome. You need to study, you know, all, uh, you know, Turkey. Jordan. Yeah. Jordan. uh, Absolutely. I haven't Egypt, done any of that. Can. I've only done Israel. So one time, Audrey and I, we literally did 3,500 kilometers and traced oh the whole book gosh. of Acts in Turkey. And that oh was amazing. Gosh. Did you lead you know, a trip or did y'all just the two of I, you No, I was there to learn. Oh. You know, I literally was You're just so checking cool. it out myself. So, cool. so, you know, if you can if you can get through some of the food in some of those places yeah, in yeah, Turkey, yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. I digress. And so in the land of Israel... With Jewish friends, they're atheists slash agnostics. Yeah. Do you know what six sources they use in their archaeology digs no. to make sure they're... Th- and these are very expensive because yeah. you have to recruit volunteers. This is why college kids come. They come during the summer and, yeah. and Christmas time. Yeah, They need to make sure they're digging in the right spot. And they need to make sure where they're digging exhibits verisimilitude with the first century world that they're studying, if they're studying the first century. Yes. They have six books, Matthew, Mark, <sighs> Luke, uh-uh. John... Book of Acts and this guy named Josephus. I want to read Josephus. I need to do it. 28 times longer than any gospel, just so you know, if you compare it. You've got to read Josephus because, like, Josephus is how I date Acts early before Uh, AD 62. Um, Josephus tells us that James, the Lord's brother, is killed by stoning. And so we have to ask Uh. ourselves... You know, I don't have any brothers, Yeah. but for our audience, if you had a brother, what would it take for you to think your brother was the Messiah, son of God? People <laughs> right. always laugh. <laughs> but not while he's alive. Yes. I and mean, that's James, an important part. Very interestingly, Mark 3, Mark 6, John 7 all point out that Jesus' family thought he was a nuts. Yes. He needed, they tried to do an intervention on him. Multiple times, yes. So, I mean, again, this is where the, the Gospels... They show their their they open themselves up to embarrassment. I mean, yeah. even Jesus' family didn't believe on him. Yeah. And James, I'm going getting back to Josephus. Josephus tells us he dies believing that Jesus, his brother, is the Savior. Yeah. What changed in James' life? Yeah. Well, after his crucifixion, I can just see James working in his construction business, yeah. and all of a sudden, brother Jesus shows up and is yeah. like, bro, check out my side, dude. <laughs> right. Check out it's my me. hands. Yeah. And he goes from a skeptic who's hostile to becoming a pillar of the church. Yes. It was the evidence of the resurrection. Yes. We could go on for Paul. So Josephus... The Jews, they use the Gospels, they value they the Gospels. But believe Jesus. But here's, here's the point of why this conversation, is they're no different from the audience right now. Yeah. I can point to the robust evidence for the Gospels, but I can't make you make a decision for Christ. Right. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Faith is faith and evidence, though. Mm. It's not a rejoicing in the absence of evidence. Hey, say that. I am a believer in Jesus Christ because Jesus physically, bodily rose from the grave. I'm compelled to believe that. I have faith in that fact of history. Yeah. That's why I'm a Christian. So there are things, there are gray areas, there are things that we won't understand, the side of heaven. I'm a Christian because of that fact. Yeah. Now, faith 
is an element. Faith is trusting God through the uncertainty. Faith is not certainty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think this is where people miss it. And this is why we need to invite people into these kinds of, we can have fun and study the truth yeah. and the evidence of the gospel. And we need to invite people. So the same with the Jewish population. They are blinded as many people are who are listening to us yeah. right now who are not yeah. Jews. Yeah. We're, you're hearing first-rate evidence for the resurrection. There are at least nine reasons, and I don't even touch Gary Habermas's minimal facts, which oh, is a wow. whole other layer of reasons to believe in the resurrection. The evidence is so good, but we can't believe for you. Yeah. You yeah. can believe. My favorite passage in the New Test or in the Gospels. <gasps> yes. Can we get to that? Because I just thought. Oh of it. yeah. Mark nine twenty-four. The dad who says, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." Help my unbelief. It's one of the sweetest. I, I love that Mark wrote that down yes. for us. My, that is my favorite passage in the gospel. Yeah. So for someone right now who's like, is that enough faith? Lord, I believe. Help my belief. It was enough to activate Jesus yeah. in Mark 9. Yeah. Jesus loved it, didn't yeah. he? I know. Oh, I love that. Okay. So as I was reading your book, I told you this. We'll kind of end on this. and okay. But I do not want to. Just to be clear, I don't want to. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, so fun. As I was reading Body of Proof, all I kept wanting to know is what you think about the garden tomb versus the Church of the Holy yeah. Sepulchre and where Jesus's actual tomb is and where the crucifixion happened. And thank the Lord and thank you, Jeremiah. You wrote a whole <laughs> chapter on it, like the second to last chapter. Uh, but will you talk about that for yeah, a minute? Because our friends have heard us talk about that on the show. So there's two options that right. people, when they go to Jerusalem, there's two places that people claim or say Jesus died here. He was buried here. This was it. Right. One is beautiful and outside mm -hmm. and flowery. Uh, and lo it's lovely. Yes. You sing songs and you take communion. They give you your little cup. It's beautiful. Right. I love it. The other is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre that is dark mm -hmm. and lots of gold and black. And, oh, I also want to ask you about the Holy Fire, but we yeah. may not have time yeah. for it. But I think the Holy Fire yeah. is fascinating. Yes, it is. So talk to me about those two spots. Absolutely. If you go to the land of Israel, you absolutely have to stop at the garden tomb. It's yeah. actually called Gordon. Gordon's tomb, General Gordon discovered it. And I just have to be completely transparent with you on your podcast. There was a Protestant response because there are six denominations, the Catholics being one of them, that control the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Yeah. And Protestants kind of needed a competitor, to be real honest with you. Yes. I mean, we have to be yes. truthful. And they found this amazing tomb. The problem is it's about 250 years earlier than the time of Jesus. And so oh, historically wow. and evidentially, archaeologically speaking, it's not the place. Yeah. And um, now I say that pastorally because I have a Jewish lacquer painting that costs a good amount of money yeah. that hangs in my office to this day. I mean, I will take my children, Lord willing, Up if I'm tomb, ever yeah. able to take them to yeah. the garden tomb. But the evidence is so robust and so ancient for the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That is the spot. And so yeah. I give a short 2,600-word overview for yeah. everyone of of the latest, because keep in mind the edicule, what does that mean? It's like the little house inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre was just opened. Yeah. It took like 50 years to negotiate between the six denominations. <laughs> that, I mean, they couldn't like even... Like the ladder that's yeah, still there. <laughs> chilling out. Nobody can agree on it. 50-year <laughs> disagreement right. over a ladder. This is true, friends. Yes. Um, listen, sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, Pastor Kevin so, said it yesterday at church. He talked about the ladder like, yesterday. It's like, yeah, exactly. So in the edicule, they actually opened it up 2017. So this is an early wow, data point. Yeah. And they got right down to the marble slab that Jesus' body is proposed to have been laid on in its all first century. Wow. And you can read about that, not at a Christian source through National Geographic. Wow. It was only open for a weekend, about 60 hours. Wow. 
the evidence is robust. You know, the mother of archaeology is Queen Helena, yes. Constantine's mom. Yes. I call her the mother of modern archaeology. She goes to these Holy Land sites. There was such an anti-Jewish bias after the Jewish revolt that, you know, Rome saw Christianity as just a Jewish offshoot. Yeah. And so they decimated these holy sites in Christianity, which they thought was Judaism. Yeah. And I they, thought that was so interesting. They built never heard literally before. temples over these spots. Well, guess what they did? They kind of preserved them for us, yeah. which is awesome <laughs> yeah. to think about. Yeah. So the, the archaeology goes back and, you know, village memory. We could get into that. Social memory was so good. People didn't move around. They weren't as transient as they are now, obviously. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah, that's the spot. That's the spot. Could it be that the resurrection, because they're only about 150 feet apart, the crucifixion site and then the burial site. Yes. Oddly enough, yes. Yeah. Jesus is buried outside the city. He's crucified outside the city. And so yeah. we update you on that in the book. And yeah. it's really fun for those that have been and those that are going to check out some of the differences, you know, and to understand the history of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's just fascinating. Oh, uh, And I, I mean, the first time I went was 2016. Awesome. And so to know that they've opened it up and yeah. seen it since I yes. saw it is wild. And you can check that out. National Geographic did pictures on it. I mean, it's, That's again, so and cool. I I want to point something out about the Christian movement. Archaeology is Christianity's closest cousin, I say. Wow. Unlike any other religion or belief system in the world, Christianity says, hey, you can test us against history. Yeah. You can test us against history. It actually puts itself to a historical test. Yeah. And so for all the thinkers that listen to this program, there is such robust evidence for Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. We can build 65 facts about the birth, the death, the life the burial, and the resurrection of, of Jesus before we even open the Bible. Wow. Just using sources within 100 years of his life. Wow, dude. Uh, okay, talk for just a second about the holy fire and yeah. for people who don't know, because it's such a, it's a Greek Orthodox yeah. thing? Yeah, yes. And again, it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it is. It's b- bizarre, it's miraculous, but we believe in a God who works miracles, yeah. don't we? Yeah, and, I'm way into it. I mean, listen, and this is where, when these are the kind of delicious details you get when you go to the Holy Land, yeah. when you see it up front, it changes the way you read the Gospels, it changes the yes. way you read the Bible. Yeah, I we say it be- went from black and white to Technicolor for me. Oh, without Changed a doubt. Everything. It's 3D. And so I, yeah. I just want to encourage people, go with Annie oh, if you can. I know, Literally, we're thinking like, about it. We're thinking like, about it, like, everybody. Seriously, it will change your... Re- and you'll see miraculous But will you come things. with us too? I would love to. <laughs> okay, <you> great. <laughs> As long as we stay somewhere nice. Oh, we, listen, <laughs> you know me. I've done the bad Israel trips and I've done the no, good no, ones. No, 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 we're doing a good one. We're eating right and we're staying right. Yes, I love that. No, and, and, and friends, go there, see it for yourself. Let the Bible become 3D to you because it will literally change you. Yeah. It will show you. I'm a Christian based on the evidence, not in spite of the evidence. Yes, and, yes. And friends, we, and Annie, I so appreciate you setting the example. I mean, I, I feel like I'm talking to a professor right now. You are so well read. We and here's where I want to compliment you. The resurrection is understudied and underpreached today. Yeah. And yet it's the focal point of our faith. If you go to Amazon right now, there's actually not that many books just on the resurrection. No. We need to change that. There's a a lot more about the crucifixion. Yeah, way more. There's a lot of cross piety and there's there's a lot of stuff that goes in that. But listen, there is no good news. There's no Euangelion without Jesus coming back from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. What did we not say that we need to say? I mean, Jeremiah. Uh, we're barely screwed. I think I we know. went through one or two proofs. Uh, <laughs> so, no, this yeah, is that's so why. Fun. I mean, that's people are going to love reading yeah. this. And just for everyone's brains, I'll tell you, it's 160 
pages yeah, of content. Short. It's the shortest so it book not, I've ever written. Yeah. How many more do you have? What? So I've written, this is book 13 for me, but this oh, is I'm the shortest one that I've ever written. No, please don't be. You know, some of my academic works are written for dozens, Annie. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm about to get <laughs> in like that a... dozens, though. I'm about to get in that dozens. But this is, this sits on 150,000 published words academically peer reviewed on the resurrection of Jesus. But again, my wife has helped me. You can give this book to anyone in yes. about three and a half hours of reading. Yeah. You're up to date. Yeah, I read it in a day. So and it was I mean, it's and it was by design. Awesome. So thank you. Thank awesome. You so much. Oh, I cannot wait for people to read this. <laughs> this is such a. I mean, it is such a fun read. Thank you. As well. I mean, I am. So I never much thought I'd be in it. Vanity Fair when yeah. I went into Bible scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> That's no how one, you got in. There was no class. Tell the story. On that. You write about it. Tell I the mean, story. Literally, I was contacted by. This is fun for our audience. I love that you put this in there. Is there enough evidence to write an obituary of Jesus? A New yeah. York Times reporter, and I just, yes, there is. In yes. fact, here's what it would it could have read, read yes. like. Little did I know he would publish it in Vanity Fair. I know. And he left it, with, and he, he gave me permission. I, I wrote him, Sam yeah. Roberts. Yeah. I mean, he writes obituaries for right. notable individuals still right. in the Times. He said, use it. Use it with a very free hand. And so then we got permission from Condé Nast as well, which yeah. owns Vanity yeah. Fair. Because I, it, the book starts with this obituary of Jesus. Yes. And you think, wow. And, but then when I pause and I put my critical mind on, the fact that we can write an obituary of Jesus just, again, speaks to the evidential yeah. bedrock. Oh, I, and the obituary is beautiful. Yeah, it is. I, I love how you ended it. After he was declared dead on Friday night, he was buried nearby in a cave. On Sunday, his disciples reported that the body was missing. Yeah, cliffhanger. And that's the yeah, end. I know, that's like, the boom. end. That's the obituary. It. There's oh, the gospel for you. I loved it. Um, will you please come back? I would love to, oh, Annie. Man. I love your show. Thank you for Thank being you. a Christian thinker. Well, I'm having the best time. I, I can't tell you how much my mind has expanded just from reading the gospels. Amen. And Me so it, you're right. We're, I, I, what you said at the beginning, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, Mind and mind. strength. Got to love God with our mind. This is it is so fun to love Him with our mind. It is. Oh, it's so fun. okay. So, Doctor Johnston, <laughs> Jeremiah, uh, because please. the show is called That Sounds yes. Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. What, what do y'all do for fun? Listen, I go hard when I kids. go fun. We like off-road sports. Oh, I yeah? became an expert on YouTube and chainsaws yeah. during the <laughs> pandemic. So I I fight my battles against the trees. Yes. I hope it's okay to say that. Of my course. boys. Literally, we get our hatchets out, our saws, our eye protection. How many of the five are boys? What's boys Four out of the five are boys. So Lily is the CEO, and (laughs) she's CEO material already. Uh, And then there's Justin. He's 10. He's amazing. He's called to ministry. And then Abel Ryder and Jax, and they have a sin nature in every way, shape, and form. (laughs) Literally, they they go fisticuffs every day, but they've got each other's back. So So y'all just cut things down. We cut things down. We go out to our friend Uncle Mike's house, and we literally buzz down his trees. We burn them, and that's Literally, and then Fantastic. we get on our go-karts and my yeah. ranger. We just love to be outside. Oh, so. that's awesome. That's well, what I we do for fun. Do Sounds weird, but I fight my battles in the trees. I, lo- <laughs> I love it. That's great. Uh, thank you again for doing this. What a, thank you, Annie. Oh, what a dream. Oh, you guys, isn't he brilliant? Oh, my gosh. I mean, a doctorate in the, like, resurrection? Are you kidding? His book is so good. Y'all have got to get a copy of it. Again, it is called Body of Proof. You guys get that book. You're going to love it. It is so fun. Add it to your Let's Read the Gospel shelf on your bookshelf, and you are just going to love reading it. And be sure to follow him on social media. Thank him so much for being on the show today. And if you found this helpful or know someone you think would enjoy it, your people who love talking about the Bible or have a lot of questions about the resurrection, this is a great one to put on social media and say, hey, if you have questions about Jesus' resurrection, here are some answers. And let your friends go listen if they want to. It means the world when you invite your friends into these conversations too. And... 
conversations like this open doors for us that may be hard to open in any other way. So you guys share this one. Talk to your people about it. I loved it. I love it so much. I love having these experts on around the Gospels while we are reading Let's Read the Gospels this year. And listen, if you haven't started Let's Read the Gospels yet, join in with us. It is never too late. You don't have to be in the Gospels every day to be changed, but every day you are in the Gospels will change you. So make sure you subscribe to that show. We will start a new round on May 1st, but come on, jump in with us today. You can start listening today. And listen, we heard what sounds fun to Jeremiah, and now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening, just like you. Haley, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Hi, I'm Haley. Um, I'm from Williamstown, West Virginia. And honestly, what sounds fun to me is a weekend probably with my kid, without my kids. <laughs> um, and probably going to, um, so my parents live in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. And so I would just drop them with my parents yes. and they'd have a nice little weekend with their grandparents. <laughs> and my husband and I would probably just spend the day like shopping and going out to eat. I'm a yeah. big food person. So yes. I think the whole day would probably center around food. Yes, <laughs> I support that. Do you have like, when you're going to Lexington, do you have like a spot that you're like, we always do a meal here? Oh my gosh. So I would say probably my favorite place is this place called Carson's. It's okay. really good. It's in like downtown. But I mean, true, like the best Lexington food is from this place called Ramsey's. And it is like Southern cooking. Like oh, it yes. is like a meat and three. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yes, absolutely. Pie. All the sides you oh, want. All, all the, the sides. Yeah. The pie. Yeah, yeah. it's delicious. <laughs> you're making me want to get in my car and drive uh-huh. to Lexington. Carson's is what you're saying to me. Oh, Ram- no, yes. Ramsey. Ram- no, I'm sorry. Ramsey's. Yes. yes. Carson's is delicious though yes. too. Absolutely. Sorry. I heard you. You said it correctly. I heard you wrong. Okay. So yeah. Carson's is a great other. So we get more than one meal a day. We love Carson's. Carson's is a little fancier. Yeah. I, yeah. So we're going to do lunch at Ramsey's though. Cause, yes. Cause that's when like the fried chicken is fresh out. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah, girl. You got me. Yeah. You got me. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Best answer. Well and done. It's, <laughs> it's only a few hours away from Nashville. So yeah, it's, it's breezy. That's what I'm saying to you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'll come down to Nashville too. It'll be great. Okay, great, 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 great. Oh, I love it. Okay. If you need anything else from me, you know, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And don't forget, you can find the That Sounds Fun podcast on Instagram now at, you're right. It's at That Sounds Fun Podcast. Well done. And Let's Read the Gospels is also on Instagram at Let's Read the Gospels. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home. Do something that sounds fun to you, and I'll do the same. And today, what sounds fun to me is sleeping in, because today I'm getting my Sabbath for the week, because I traveled on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I am resting today. So y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here on Thursday with Dr. Nijay K. Gupta. Y'all, y'all. This book that he wrote, this conversation we're about to have about women leading in the church. You aren't ready. You aren't ready. Go ahead and order the book today. It's called Tell Her Story. You can read it tomorrow. We can talk about it Thursday. Y'all are ready. It's going to be so good. Okay, can't wait. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you Thursday.